Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast, intentionally designing a lifestyle of freedom. Today is Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022, and this is episode number 112. And I'm your host, Ken Esch. If you didn't know that already, got a couple of quotes today to start you all off with. You know, I always love my quotes. First one comes from Mahatma Gandhi. Live as if you were to die tomorrow and learn as if you were to live forever. I love that. Absolutely love that. We have to live life as if we were going to die at any minute. Don't hold anything back because you don't want to reach the end of your life not having utilized all the gifts, talents, skills, abilities, everything God's given you. You don't want to reach the end of your life not having used that. So you need to live as if you were going to die tomorrow. And we have to learn or prepare as if we were going to live forever. Because if you were going to die tomorrow, you know, you wouldn't need to go learn all the things, all the skills, all the whatever to keep you, um, to keep making life enjoyable and fun forever. But if you were going to live forever, my phone is absolutely blowing up. I forgot to put it on airplane mode. Sorry about that. If you were going to live forever, you would never stop learning. You would keep striving to learn new things. So live as if you were going to die today. Learn as if you were going to live forever. Love that. The second one comes from a uh, a children's author who you'll know it when you hear it. You'll know who it is. But he said, the more you read, the more things you'll know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. That comes from the author of The Cat in the Hat, Dr. Seuss. Epic author. (laughs) I used to love reading those books as a kid. Like Any time I went to somebody's house who had those books, I would just devour them. This particular quote is from I Can Read With My Eyes Shut. Again, that's the more you read, the more things you'll know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Love it. I like going places. So I learn as much as I can. I'm always learning. And sometimes that gets me in trouble because I end up being a forever learner, as some people call it. And I don't, uh, I don't implement as much as I should. But I'm working on that. Product of the day today is a secure email and file storage system, and I actually have two of them to recommend to you. Uh, One of them I've used for a couple of years, and I'm actually a paying customer. The other one I just heard about, and it's a fairly new product, but um, I've liked it so far. I haven't fully utilized the file storage or the drive system. It's kind of like Google Drive where you can upload documents and files and things like that. I haven't really utilized that aspect of it. I've more been testing out the email. One is protonmail.com. They just changed their domain. I believe it's proton.me. And the other one is Skiff, S-K-I-F-F. So I'm going to drop a link in the show notes where you can go check either or both of those out. Again, that's Proton and Skiff. Both of those are an email service as well as a file storage system uh, in the cloud, a cloud file storage system. So what have I been up to the last while? Well, for those of you who don't know, the last month or two or three have been, uh, the thing that's been on my mind quite a bit is the Self-Reliance Festival presentation. I have never done something like that before. 
I have spoken in front of a church here and there, you know, have your little Sunday morning devotions and things like that, but I've never spoken in front of a large crowd of people. And there were several hundred people at this event, and I was speaking on the main stage, like the horror. <laughs> but I think I did well. I fortunately was able to have notes with me. I, I carried my tablet up there so that I could refer back to it to keep me on track from time to time. But I didn't flame out from nervousness. I didn't just freeze up there like I can do. And like inexplicably I've done before. I, I mean, I didn't know that I would do that thing. But when I did that at, um, at the Living Free in Tennessee event over just a little introduce yourselves thing, I like I got up and shook in front of the people. I don't know why. I've never had that happen before, but apparently I did. So I was a little bit worried I would freeze standing on the stage at Self-Reliance Festival. But I didn't freeze, so it turned out really well. Um, people seemed to enjoy it. I heard good feedback from people. They said I was clear. I got my points across, and it was good. It was a lot of fun. So I'm going to run the audio from that episode as a special bonus episode either Friday or Monday. I have a potential interview coming up, uh, which uh, I'll – be doing the interview on Thursday evening, which is tomorrow evening from when I'm recording this. And in that case, I would run that interview on Friday and do the bonus episode on Monday. If I, so for some reason, do not do that interview, then I'll run this, the audio from my Self-Reliance Festival presentation, I'll run that on Friday. So it's it's a little up in the air as to exactly which one I'm going to do, but one of those will be on Friday. While I was at Self-Reliance Festival, you may have heard me talk last week about a goat that I had that was sick. Um, she ended up dying while I was at the Self-Reliance Festival, and my dad had to come over and help my wife take care of this dead goat. It was really sad. We've had this goat for about two years, maybe going on three years, and she was actually pregnant, and what she had was called pregnancy toxemia. I can't remember at what point last week we discovered what her disease was or what her illness was. But it's pregnancy toxemia where basically the goat doesn't have enough energy to sustain the baby and herself. So she basically um, goes into ketosis. Her body starts consuming itself in order to keep the baby alive. And oftentimes when you catch what they have, when you catch it, when you see the symptoms, it's too late. And... While it was no uh, it was no consolation that the goat died, we did learn that there is another goat breeder in the area who is a very skilled goat raising person who has also lost two goats to this same thing this year. So it it didn't help the the hurt of losing the goat, but it did help to know that it wasn't just a a negligence thing. It's a thing that happens. And yes, it's sad, and there's things that you can do to help prevent that, but it does happen. So that was that was tough to deal with. I was sorry that my wife had to deal with that on her own while I was not here, and it was pretty hard on her because we've actually had quite a bit of loss on the farm this year, various animals that just inexplicably got sick and died. And it's things that we're learning and it's, it's hard. It's, it's a painful thing when 
your ignorance contributes or possibly contributes to the animal dying. So some things that we're working through, trying to figure all this out, it's a learning process. Some of those things you can only learn through the experience because you don't know what to look for until you've gone through it, until you have experienced it. But enough about dead goats. Um, the, the, the segment that I talked about last week, the Make Life Fun Again segment, this is going to be a really fun one. It's just talking about things that I'm doing to bring some joy, some fun, some, uh, some things that I like to do for just, just for the heck of it. To bring more of that into my life. And I've kind of forgotten over the years what fun is. I, I You know, if, if I go to an event and, and my wife asks me, she's like, well, did you have fun? I'm like, yeah, I mean, fun? I, I don't know. I mean, it's I was there. I participated. I did all the things. But fun? I don't know. And maybe some of that is kind of a disconnect with my emotional side. I don't really know that I have much of an emotional side. I think it's good to to have that and to connect with that. But I know for a fact that I've lost the view of what fun is. Even watching football, I really enjoy that. But to say, oh, did you have fun? It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. What is fun? So I'm trying to discover what fun is for me and make time in my life to do more of those things. And recently, I, as I was thinking about that, I, I realized that, you know, when I was a kid, I loved messing with technology. I liked diving into computers and figuring out the software side of it, figuring out the hardware side of it. Can I take it apart and put it back together and it still work? Can I mess with the, the code on, on whatever program a little bit and change something? And can I find the changes that I made? Can I break it and fix it? What all can I do with those things? And something that is kind of a newer technology for most people, it's been around for about 10 or 12 years, or maybe even a little bit longer, but that I I haven't really explored a whole lot. I have messed around with it a little bit, but I haven't really dived deep into it. And that is cryptocurrency. Now, I've played around with Bitcoin a little bit. I I, uh, buy it, spend it, whatever, you know, I, I messed around with that a little bit. But I haven't gone into what people call the altcoins, which is basically a non-Bitcoin token or I'm still learning all those things. But I found a, a group recently or a membership, uh, somebody that I've actually been following for several years started up this membership. It's called Crypto Labs Research, and they dive into these various cryptocurrency projects and figure out what makes them tick, what what the purpose of the project is. And there's a lot of opportunity to make money inside of those projects. So the purpose of Crypto Labs research is to help you create passive income through various forms of cryptocurrency. That might be things like jumping into a project for just a few days and pulling back out because it's a... Um, they call it a DGEN project where people, you know, you pump the money in and you pull it back out because it's a project that's basically worthless. And so they do a lot of things like that. They, they go into a lot of actual real life use case projects and invest in those. And some of those are long term investments. Some of those are a short term thing. But there's a whole lot to learn. And that's one of the things that 
I'm not only doing to uh, make my life a little more, a little to bring some fun back into my life, to rediscover what fun is, but I'm also doing that as part of the uh, the passive income project that I talked about last week to build a portfolio of $10,000 a month of passive income. Now that's that's probably going to take a very long time to get to. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever reach it, but it is a people we call it a BHAG, a big hairy audacious goal, okay? Or a big hairy ass goal or something. It's a huge goal that I can work towards. It's something that other people do achieve. I've seen it. I hear people talk about it. Some a lot of people that I follow have reached that. And I have a hard time seeing myself getting there. But it starts with that first dollar. And so that is what this Crypto Labs Research Membership is all about. If that interests you, I can send you the link where you can find it. If you uh, if you want to join, I'd love it if you would throw my name out that I'm the one who referred you to it. I'm not going to drop a link in the show notes yet because I have not made a dollar off of it yet. I've only been in for a month and I'm still going through the course section of it. I haven't invested in any projects yet, but as I start investing in projects, I'll talk about it a little more, and then maybe I'll have an affiliate link or something that you can join. But if you do, if you are interested in that, tell them that I sent you, Ken Esch, Kenneth Esch, I think is how what my name is in there. I mean, it is my name. I use my name. So they'll know who you're talking about if you say that I referred you. And then I think I get like a month free membership or something. So that would help both of us out or it would help me out. You're in the group and then I get a free membership for a month. So that would be cool. I want to invite you to to join the Telegram chat, t.me forward slash Constructive Liberty. Catch all the updates that I post, you know, once a week. I put out that the episode is live. So go join that. You'll never miss an episode as long as I continue to remember to post that. Um, I want to play a conversation that I had with my brother-in-law last week, or it might have been two weeks ago now. I referenced it last week, but we talked about farming, small-scale versus large-scale, the coming shortages, and some of those things. So I'm going to play that now, and if if you don't want to listen to it, you probably want to skip the next 10 to 12 minutes and jump right to the main topic of the show. This will be a little bit longer of an episode, but... I think you'll enjoy the conversation. My brother-in-law is a cool dude and uh, is a good farmer. He's continually researching and learning and implementing new and old practices into his farming practice to kind of mitigate his need for commercial fertilizers and pesticides and, and all the things. He's trying to figure out exactly what works the best with the least amount of inputs. So I hope you enjoy that conversation. I'll play that now. If you don't want to hear it, skip ahead 10 to 12 minutes. Hey, Brian. How's things going for you? I'm currently listening to a podcast, and they're talking about shortages and fertilizer and things like that. And they've talked about a couple of sources that have predicted due to shortages that over the next several years, we could see, like, 1 to 1.2 billion deaths from starvation. I was just wondering, you know, as a farmer, like, what are you seeing with fertilizer and 
production and accessibility to things like that. Hey, right now I'm working on a putting new Velcro seals in my chicken house doors. Pain a butt. Boy, that's a deep question. Um, that's a lot of deaths due to starvation. <laughs> Hold up. Fertilizer prices, fertilizer shortages, it's there. Um, I'm a small farmer. So I don't know the massive amounts of, I mean, I can still get what I need to get. However, I have to pay for it. So I can't answer that entirely, but knowing in order for every farmer to be able to produce what his potential is, there's got to be fertilizer and not everybody's going to be able to always pay that kind of price without doing something and so it's either quit producing to your potential and do what you can which is an which is a, a valuable option but then you won't have near the yield so then that in turn will create shortages of food so that's something to think about. I, I don't. I can't answer those questions. I guess you didn't really ask me questions. You were just getting my thoughts. On a global scale, I'm sure there's. I mean, for sure that's going to happen. Especially if people aren't willing to um, go about it in a different way, go about farming in a different way. What's fascinating is Carmel and I have talked about this, like because I've started doing more of the no-till cover in the last five years, my nitrogen application and needs have gone down. Um, and so I don't even need to buy as much as I used to, which is helping me now when we're facing this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of farmers that are seeing that and are doing that, but yet around the world, not necessarily. So, I don't know if I've answered any questions that you might have had, but um, I have a feeling, just from the standpoint of the cost of fertilizer, and, it, and it's just not nitrogen. Potassium, potassium is a huge deal, and potassium has not come down in price. Nitrogen has come down. I'm not sure about phosphorus. Phosphorus I never need because my chicken litter but I always need to supplement nitrogen and phosphorus and sulfur. I'm getting all of that with chicken litter, but not enough to produce what I'm producing. Um, potassium has not come down in price yet. So I'm still buying that occasionally. And if those prices hold out, and then like for my wheat, I still have my wheat from last year. I've essentially sold it, but it's still here. I was waiting for the price um, to come back because it fell off the cliff but there was a while where nobody was selling wheat they wanted to because the price was good to capture their input cost but then the people weren't buying it because they didn't want to pay that much and so when you have your vitality or volatility volat <laughs> when your markets are volatile I'm trying to say 
with your producing at the end of the year if you can't deal with that you can't buy your fertilizer for the next year so all of a sudden you've got a bottleneck and something's going to have to happen and guess what you're right that is the amount of or that is the food the food availability so yeah there's truth to that for sure but i just i would never know that number if that number is correct that's a lot of people that far exceeds covid death don't it so when you say you still need fertilizer and still have to pay for it or still have to buy it i think is how you said that like are you meaning just because you need it or you or are you saying it's higher for you because you're a smaller producer or i'm not sure where you're going with that um but yeah i was i was going to ask you too like with the uh with changing some of your practices over the last couple of years going no more cover cropping and some of that was wondering to what extent that's helped you out but but then you preempted my question and answered that ahead of time so what do you as a small farmer like seeing kind of the pricing prices increase and the availability of things and some of that what do you where do you see yourself you and your dad going with um, farming and being able to stay to to keep the production going is, is that something that y'all see getting more difficult do you kind of do you see it as a temporary thing not going to last long or, or kind of what's your thoughts on that if I can ask so I think the context that I said that you still need and you still got to pay for it comment I didn't go back and re-listen but was just simply meaning in order to produce you got to have stuff and in order to get the stuff you got to pay for it no matter what the price is and so as the price goes up you figure out what you need and you just pay for it and being that the market has its ups and downs um, you take the good years with the bad now with this particular instance with where we're at now where it I don't I can't I'm not sure if this is just one or two bad years or if this is going to be in for the long haul obviously inflation is still going up so it's hard to just count this as one or two tough years with the good um, and so yeah I guess that kind of leads into your next question about how we see it and how we're viewing it and if it's going to get more difficult um, that's actually not something that we've actually had a conversation about to be honest with you yet smaller farms I think can weather the storm a little bit better I, I, I can't answer that with full confidence but the reason I say that is because I don't have to buy as much stuff. However, when you start penciling out all the stuff, it still by, ends up being a per acre thing. And oftentimes you get a better price for stuff if you can buy in bulk. So, um, for instance, potash, I bought that for some of our fields. And it's cheaper if you go buy just two or three ton, you're paying time and a half if we, then if you can get a whole semi load so from the being a big big producer from that standpoint you're better off buying more whereas for me as a smaller farmer i'll let my fields go a little bit longer 
as soon as I can justify buying a whole semi-load, I do it. So that's kind of the way I get around that deal. But for the small farmer, I feel like you can get by with some of that stuff better. At least for me, what I do is micromanage the smaller amount of acres that I have. I'm spending very small amount of money on soil data, like taking your samples and, and knowing what I have and then buying accordingly and not just going out and throwing, buying piles of stuff to put on and hoping for a yield. So small farmers, and I say that big farmers can do this too, but you got to have a lot of help. One man can't do it all. So then you start getting into the employees and paying employees. But um, so with some of what I'm saying can be implemented across big farms. It's just that I don't, I don't have that experience. I'm only looking at it from where I'm at. But with the small amount of acres that I have, I'm more picky with them, which actually makes my yields better than Virginia's averages. Um, and so because of that, I can offset the higher inputs. Yes, I still be careful. I have to be, be careful in my margins. Um, but I'm, I'm also trimming my margins at the same time because I'm learning things and I'm cutting my nitrogen, I'm cutting my population of my seeds, I'm doing all these things at the beginning and then I'm getting more yield so I'm getting paid more at the end and so for me I'm not even really struggling to be honest with you right now. I can't say that that's everybody's small farms um, experience but right now we haven't dad and i haven't had that conversation because we're not we're not struggling our yields are going up and our inputs are going down so yeah i know it's tough for a lot of people and there are shortages i mean i ordered i ordered some chemical pretty early this year actually no i haven't even ordered it this year yet this is last year last year i ordered chemical pretty early going into this shortage stuff um, just to guarantee that I had it. So I know there is stuff that might end up coming down the pipe that I won't be able to get some of my products that I would normally get. Um, but that's okay. I mean, there's other way around it. So there's more than one ways to skin cats. And that's part of adapting with the times and learning how to, to do it and <laughs> learn how to do it before you have to do it, right? I don't know if that confused you or not, um, or if that answered any more questions. Hey, yeah, that that all yesterday, what you said, made perfect sense. I get that um, as a small farmer, you may have some options that a bigger farmer might not have. But then on the other hand, you know, you might have to pay more because you can't buy in the massive bulk like a like a big farmer can. And so you've got, uh, yeah, it's kind of a two-edged sword there. You know, one side might be good, the other side can bite you in the butt. But um, I think it's awesome that that y'all are doing good with it, and because of some of the steps you're taking, maybe not struggling like some others would. That's that's really cool. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, would you be opposed to me playing that? on my podcast hey ken sorry i didn't get back to you for a while we were actually i was helping dad over at church and uh 
service over there is terrible. Actually, there is no service. <laughs> so, I'm just now getting back in, and I see that you uh, messaged me again. So, yeah. Um, I, I am excited the fact that I started doing things differently several years ago, and now we're at where we're at. It really makes me happy. And there's still... There's still a lot of things that could be done different and learned, and um, yeah, and it's just going to be a matter of adapting and learning new methods. And as far as uh, putting it on your podcast, <laughs> I don't care. It's not a big deal to me, except when I look at when I think about myself in a public place, it <laughs> makes me like, oh no, you know what I mean? Um, I don't really have that intelligent of comments but no i you you're more than welcome to to record it or to put it on it's fine it's not a big deal to me see i told you that was a good conversation uh he's very knowledgeable very intelligent about what he's doing what's going on keeping up on things in the world so that was just a little bit of insight that i got and i thought i'd share it with you guys now on to the main topic of the show becoming a lifelong learner so what is a lifelong learner? It's the ongoing and voluntary and self-motivated pursuit of knowledge for a personal and professional reasons. It's important to an individual's competitiveness and employability. It also enhances social inclusion, active citizenship, and personal development. I don't know about the citizenship part, but the personal development, social inclusion, employability, competitiveness, all of those things I highly agree with. That is what lifelong learning is. So why is it that so many of us as adults stop learning? I think it's because um, when we're in school, we were pounded into us that learning is English and math and spelling and science and social studies and PE and all of those things. And that's what learning is. And so often that sucks the joy out of learning from us because it's not something that we're interested in. Sure, after you get past the basic reading and the basic math and kind of learning how things work a little bit, you know, but that's that's about the end of where you love to learn. You know, if you're really interested in math, why can't you spend eight hours a day learning math instead of going to science class? Why do you have to learn about the weird revolutions and spins and twists and turns and twirls of the solar system and how it's shooting through space and all of those things. Why do you have to learn that if that doesn't interest you? Why do you have to know exactly how far the sun is from the earth and that, you know, it's 400 times farther away from the earth than the moon is, but it's exactly 400 times bigger, so they look like the same size in the sky and all of those things. Like, why do you need to know those things if that doesn't interest you? Or why do you have to learn about sentence structure, like how to diagram and dissect a sentence and all these complex things? You don't, like, why do I need to know all about the, all the pronouns and the adjectives and the adverbs and the this and the that? And when am I ever going to learn, use these things in life? Like, why do I need to know that stuff? Basic spelling. Okay, so I, I know, you know, kind of how to spell things, but it make it so difficult. It's like, these are all the rules of the written language. This is how 
you spell in English. These are all hard and fast rules, except for this exception and that exception and that exception and that exception. And almost every single word you come across has an exception. And it's so frustrating and confusing. Like, how can anybody understand that? Spelling to me didn't make sense. I couldn't spell until I was 12, 13, 14 years old. I'm a pretty good speller now, but it didn't make sense. There was nothing logical about spelling, and I was awful at it. I would rather have done math or played sports, of course. Who wouldn't? But why can't you dive into the things that interest you in school? I went off on a long tangent there. All that to say, that is what sucks the love of learning out of us as adults, right? The other thing that a lot of people will say, I mean, that that's what's behind why we don't continue learning today. Most people would say, you know, why they don't spend more time learning is because they don't have time, right? We don't have time and you do need time in order to learn, but you can make time. If, if there's something that's important, you will make time for it, right? You will make time. You find time for the things that are important to you. And learning is one of those things that will make your life better down the road. Remember that quote that I shared with you, the, uh, the Gandhi quote, live as if you were to die tomorrow, learn as if you were to live forever? Wow. Yes, continue learning. So what are some of the impacts of lifelong learning. Number one, the more you know, the better your ability to make the world a better place. You can more quickly adapt to change because you know what's going on. You can, you can adapt better. It sharpens your mind because you have more information to go on. You know more things. It helps you to live longer because your mind is sharper. It helps you to find more meaning in life, gives you better social skills, gives you better self-belief. That's something that I've struggled with my whole life is believing in myself. I know I can do a whole lot of stuff. I can do a lot of shit, okay? And I'm pretty good at a lot of it. But actually believing in myself, like I know it, but I struggle to believe it. And the more you learn, the more you do, the more experience you get, the better that belief is. So you need to, you need to invite lifelong learning into your life. Okay. I know that sounds a little woo woo, whatever. Bring it into your life. Claim it. Write it down that I intend to learn as much as possible. And then. Figure out what that looks like to you. Set up a learning environment, whether that is if you like doing in-depth research and you like Googling things and doing going down long rabbit trails on YouTube and things like that, you know, figure out where that's at. Is that in a corner with your phone? Is that at a desk on the computer? Or do you prefer paper and pen and all of that? And you're going to go to the library to learn all these things. You also need to have a, a partner to, to kind of keep you in line with your learning. Like, are y'all interested in these similar things? Then allow that person to keep you accountable to continue learning in that, whether that is personal growth or business development or cryptocurrency or um, 
Christian outreach or, or building a nonprofit organization, whatever those things are, find someone to keep you on track with learning and implementing more about that. And then stop worrying what other people think about. And, and if you don't know, like, you're like, okay, Kenneth, I, you know, I, I like the sound of learning. Maybe I can spend a little more time, but I just don't know where I'm going to go learn. Like, come on. Hello. You have a phone in your hand. You're listening to me probably through your mobile device. You've got internet on it. You can go online to, there's a site called Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, Khan Academy, Coursera, Duolingo if you're into languages, Blinkist to listen to uh, snippets of books, Masterclass for online courses. If you're like, okay, but I don't want to go online to do those things. I hate watching courses. Well, offline, you've got your local library. You probably have colleges around you. There's gyms and health clubs if you want to learn more about fitness. You know, you've got the YMCA. You've got different fraternal and sororal organizations. Your church, your job or workplace, you can learn things there. Um, You might find somebody who's an expert in something you want to know, and you can go to have them mentor you in a one-on-one situation or in a, as, in a group. Like take some bee classes, take a uh, farming class, do a, a raised bed gardening thing. You know, go find those things. They're around you. You can find them on your Facebook groups and then go to the offline thing. There's seminars and courses. You've got friends and coworkers that can teach you things. The options for where and how to learn are unlimited. So I've got 10 tips for you to, uh, you know, if, if you're not convinced yet that you need to continue learning, I, I've got something here that might help you out to uh, help you build that learning habit. Okay, so 10 learning tips. Take care of your body, number one. The, uh, and the second one is get proper rest. Both of those go, with, go uh, hand in hand as far as your health goes. If your health is good... You will feel better and be better able to ingest information. You'll better be able to retain information. You'll understand it better. It's going to help you out a lot. You also need to keep a learning journal, whether that is a physical journal, as in you take a pen and paper and you write it down, whether that is a note app on your phone or a blog or like for me, a podcast. This is essentially my learning journal. I was talking last night on the Fireside Freedom podcast and we were talking about um, things that we do, things that we enjoy. And I, I said that I like teaching. I, I have a lot to teach. But one of the reasons that I like teaching is because I love learning. And I want to share that with other people. And this podcast is one of the ways that I share what I learn. And as I share it, as I teach it, it reinforces it in my head. Another learning tip. Another thing that you can do to help is use the Pomodoro technique. That is where you um, go like 20 minutes hardcore into what you're doing and then five minutes off. 20 minutes into what you're doing, five minutes off. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes, but just go hardcore into it for a while and then take a little break and then dive back into it. You can also harness the power of mnemonics. I've never really understood that or gotten into that, but some people think that works or it does work for some people. Take a break from the virtual world. 
Okay. I'm sitting here in front of the computer now, but I can't spend all day in front of the computer. So take a break from your devices. Go do something else that uh, allow your brain to to uh, sift through the information that you took in. So take a break from what you're doing. Go sit and think about what you've been learning and studying. Some people also um, build a memory palace. I've heard of people that, you know, if they have a hard time re- remembering things, they create a, a, a palace or a castle or even a room in their house and they store memories in a certain, maybe in a drawer or in a, they build a room that is their memory. So they can, in their mind, walk down the hallway and go into the room of that memory. Or they can go into the, for me, that room might be uh, Jessup, which is where I spent most of my living years. And each piece of furniture might be a different year of my life. And I would hide different events in a drawer or a little cubby of that furniture. That's never worked for me. I haven't put a lot of practice into that, but I just, I felt like it took, would take too much time to do that more than it, over what it was worth to me. So you could try that. That works for some people. I'm not that, um, I, I, I don't learn that way or remember things that way. Um, you can use distributed practice, like where you always have your device with you and you look at it here and you think about it. And then the next place you go and sit down, you go over it again. You could do that. You can chunk your information, like just take a a chunk out of what you're learning and study that today and then, you know, read that chunk again tomorrow and then make a visual connection. So if you see something that you want to remember or you read something that you want to remember, connect it to where you're sitting. So if you're reading at the park, if you can somehow connect that information to the park bench or, or create that, uh, in, involve all your senses in in that learning thing that will help things stick because you've involved more senses. So if you can do that, that's going to help you out a lot. I highly recommend you try at least a couple of those things. Again, I'll run through them quickly. Take care of your body. Get proper rest. Keep a learning journal. Use the Pomodoro technique. Uh, harness the power of mnemonics. Take a break from the virtual world. Build a memory palace. Use distributed practice. Chunk your information and make a visual connection. We are quite a ways into this episode. I do not have any promotions for you today, but I do have one more quote. Oh, yes. I do have a promotion. It's not a promotion, really. Check out either Skiff or ProtonMail for secure encrypted email and file storage. Go check those out. That's it. Um, What else? Oh, I have one more quote for you today. Albert Einstein says, Any fool can know. The point is to understand. So don't learn just to learn. Yes, while I'm a huge proponent of learning, don't learn just to learn. Try to understand and apply it to your life. Make a point to your learning. Figure out what you want to do in in life, what you enjoy about life, and then learn things that help you in those areas. That's it. I'm out. Go do good work.